Welcome to the Gatecast and our journey through the Stargate, through SG-1, Atlantis and Stargate Universe. Destiny. The design is clearly ancient, launched hundreds of thousands of years ago. We are on a ship, but we have no idea where we are in relation to Earth. These are the wrong people in the wrong place. Sure did. Why'd you do that? He told me to. I have a gun. What happened? Greer. Greer shot him. Each week, Alan and Mike will be following the adventures of the crew of the Destiny, along with one or two guest hosts. Join us for everything that is Stargate Universe. messaged Alan and all I got back was mumble <laughs> which really doesn't tell you a lot <laughs> which means he forgot and he's just realised he always does everything at the last minute he only uses a computer for the podcast and he seems surprised when his stuff needs updating <laughs> indeed but I didn't want to interrupt hello good evening and welcome to Gatecast episode 327 covering season 1 Episode 17 of Stargate Universe, Pain. And somebody who definitely isn't a pain are now frequently recurring guests with almost Brad-like regularity. Hello, guest. Hello. You right, Steve? I'm good. How are you? Fine, thank you. Welcome back. There was actually an intro this time, because last time it was very short, so we were sort of waiting for <laughs> something else. Don't say I don't consider. <laughs> I don't always listen. He said, staring at the desk wall stamps on the Danish postcard he got. Which, oddly enough, says greetings from Lanker. Right, we've already got the video. Yep. I wait to open. Try to ignore a prompt to update VLC. Why don't you just update it? It'll only take 30 seconds. Because it tends to break. <laughs> Maybe it's your phone tech support. Don't get me started. <laughs> Maybe try turning it off and turning it back on again. <laughs> this PC generally gets turned on to record podcasts. They're definitely going with a Pratchett theme, though. This version of VLC is called Weatherwax. Yep. I believe previous versions were called Two Flower. A few years ago was Luggage. Mm-hmm. Yep, the VLC follow you about in a little homicidal fashion. <laughs> yeah, because my friend Kimberly was asking me what I was up this evening. I said, I'm recording a podcast. And he said, and she's like, what's this evening's episode discussion about? And I'm like, bang on, let me check. Yeah. I know it's a Stargate Universe episode, don't ask me which one. <laughs> well, <laughs> that's something. <laughs> you got that right anyway. Because mm. one day Mike's going to really screw with you and just turn around saying, no, we're actually doing a complete wrap-up of Stargate SG-1 and Atlantis before we continue with Universe. Don't you remember? <laughs> <laughs> well, we have got the Atlantis wrap-up to do. Should be easier because there's only 100 episodes of Atlantis to vote for instead of the 210 of SG-1. Come Right then, here's a short review of the Stargate SG-1 novel, Hall of the Two Truths, written by Susanna Parker Sinard. This is a review I first published August 24th, 2016 on Goodreads. I'm a fan of the Stargate TV franchise, but only dipped into the novels recently. I've read more of Atlantis than SG-1, so it was time I jumped into the significant library of titles released since the shows went off air. In this case, I picked up Hall of the Two Truths by first-time Stargate author Susanna parker Sinard, and with the usual trepidation always present when reading another's viewpoint of favoured characters, shared the journey of SG-1 as described in the novel. The story is set during the fifth season of SG-1, so the Gwaud are still in a free-for-all after the demise of Apophis, 
and the team are still in turmoil over their failure to save the inhabitants of Kitao in Red Sky. This allows the author to mix things up a little and read more into the chemistry of the team than was always the case on the television show. So let's dip into the story a little and without significant spoilers. After being approached by the Tokra, the team are investigating ruins on a previously unknown world. Jack thinks it's all a waste of time but allows Daniel and Sam to keep investigating and they do indeed find some alien technology which seems to only activate when Jack touches it. Yes, the reader is well ahead of the team at this point. Soon after their location is attacked and the team plus the Tokra representative are captured and soon after they awake in a sealed cavern only accessible by rings. They are then joined by two women named Heptet, Ashe and Asetatineb who welcome them to Duat and after describing personal details of each member of SG-1 proceed to zap them twice and so far away from home SG-1 die. Okay then, there you go, go buy the novel and get reading because this is just the beginning of an adventure that's pretty much not like any other. The mythology of the ancient Egyptians' gods as they walk through the underworld facing tasks and obstacles for the soul to overcome before being judged are revealed to us through the eyes of our favoured explorers. All of the two truths was an enjoyable read. The concept was very interesting and the story complex enough to really hold my attention with the characters, regular and recurring from the show, all written well and believable in context. Quite like the scenes with General Hammond dealing with the Tokra, especially in Ease, but it was the exploration of the psyche and character of SG-1 where the novel really hits its mark. The book can be picked up in ebook format and paperback at Amazon or StargateNovels.com. Links are in the show notes. Wake up, go to work. Work. Come home. Eat dinner. Rot your brain out. Go to bed. Lather. Rinse. Repeat. Are you tired of an old humdrum life? Tired of things that just weigh you down and depress you? Wouldn't you rather just focus on things that are awesome? Tune into Nutty Bites. Find out what's awesome. Nutty Bites. Nimlas.org slash blog. Okay, then let's do a little bit of information on this release. As usual, this episode is taken from the Region 2 DVD. Runtime, 41 minutes, 50 seconds. We are all currently looking at the black screen with the counter set to zero. When Alan is going to, well, not surprise us, but do his countdown, three, two, one. And when he says click, just press play and everything should be synced up if you want to watch along with our commentary. But it isn't necessary because it's made to be listened to standalone. Thank you. You're welcome. If you would do the honours, Alan. Three, two, one, clicky. This is what destiny intended from the moment it entered the star system. Right then, as usual, Robert Carlyle is doing his little talk through. This is Season 1, Episode 17 of Stargate Universe, Pain, Gatecast Episode 227. He and Young are bumping heads, yes. Not sure which camp is the better choice. This episode was written by Carl Binder and directed by Will Waring, and its premiere in American Canada, May the 14th, 2010. In the UK, May the 25th, Germany, May the 26th. Belgium and Holland, June the 4th, Sweden, October the 29th, and Hungary, November the 13th, 2013. A few series with episodes of the same name, Angel Cop, Saints and Sinners, Single Ladies, Courtship of Eddie's Father, and Healthline. And that was quick, so we'll listen to uh, some of the previously on. Hmm. Okay, that's the way to start an episode. Yeah. Can I point out you said 227? Did yeah. I? 
Thank you very much. I will change it in the edit. They say, my gaffes and embarrassments stay in, he's come out. That's the nature of being the editor. Exactly. Yes, meanwhile, Lieutenant James and Lieutenant Scott are getting hot and sweaty, which is something of a, well, a derailment to what we've seen in the story so far. It's only now that you get to see a face, because to begin with, you think it's Chloe. That piece of music was... What do you want me to do? By the heavy. What are you doing? Wham bam, thank you, ma'am. Definitely. I should go. What? I'm breaking up with you now after you've had sex with her. He says that was real sweat on him because she was that hot. <laughs> Hang on, does Chloe know he's screwing around? Right. We'll find out. Say that now that you're done. You knew we were getting into. Ooh. Me or her? You know what? No. Screw that. I'm not going to let you kick me aside like you did before. Yeah, well, whatever. Now, at this point, you think they're going to be having sex again in 30 seconds. Move. Me or her. You can't have both. I never said I wanted both. Now move. Me or her, Matt. Get out of my way. You see what I mean? Lots of intense struggle, passions mounting. This sort of trope would lead to hot and heavy monkey sex. But not this time. Ooh. Ooh. Painful. She's got a sensible underwear on, though. Never turn your back. Ow! Oh. <laughs> oh, what the hell? Sisters are doing it for themselves. <laughs> this is going to be a slightly different episode of Stargate Universe. Yeah, that looks lethal. He did also say in the commentary that there's going to be some complaints about this episode. Patrick Gilmore shared the commentary with Brian, just the pair of them. Yeah. In one of the parts of the commentary, I can't remember if it's actually the commentary for this episode or one of the interviews, talks about he'd only ever really had parts in TV programmes where he was only ever on for like an episode or two, nothing ever constant. So he never really knew how much he was going to be in. It wasn't until he's in wardrobe and they're going, well, do you like these clothes? And it's like, yeah. Just like, you're going to be wearing them for a while. <laughs> oh, uh, yeah. Hello? Anybody? You okay? Haig at times can be such a fantastic straight guy in the comic terms. He can make you look like a complete fool just by the expression on his face when he reacts or doesn't react to you. <laughs> It's the sort of thing I do. <laughs> Just like, I thought you said it wasn't working. <laughs> it wasn't! You come here and it does. And a quick focus on the light, which he apparently brained. Well, I assume that was a different yeah, light. Well, same kind of light. Ah, Greer. Greer with his swagger. Oh, best friends these are. It's worth noting we're recording this episode out of sequence, so at the time of the recording... Greer just got back to Destiny and the others are still missing. Mm. Fortunately, this episode is rather standalone, which worked out very well for us. Yeah, because there aren't that many episodes, especially in the first series, which truly are sort of standalone, are there? No. I think one of the first ones was Time. I like to worry. I don't think these guys are ever going to be friends. No. I was just updating some personnel files. In the gate room. Colonel Young and Dr. Rush know all about it. In case you'd like to talk to them. I'll do that. I like the way she just sort of dismisses him with that little look before she turns the corner. Yeah. 
Hang on, I thought the others were still missing. What did I just say, Alan? Yeah. Puzzled, Ronald. I have not. That is a great shot. Yeah, he, he'd mentioned about how it's so hard to sort of keep your eyes open and stay in one place. Well, he said it was his idea as well, wasn't it? James, this is Colonel Young. Please respond. It looks a bit more creepy. <laughs> She's been busy. Give her a break. <laughs> um... <laughs> yes, sir. You're late with the current ammunition count. Lieutenant, what are you doing? Nothing much. Not much. <laughs> I'm fine. I just thought I'd lash out in my quarters. I'll be there soon. But I'm on my way now. James up. Got a space a body. So I heard that Colonel Young's calling off the search for Franklin. Yeah. It's not like anyone was really looking for him. Man just vanished. Weird. Now we get to see Private Becker again, Jeffrey Bauer Chapman. These lights feature quite heavily in this episode. Dunning. Yeah. Come on. He's been in quite a few sci-fi things, hasn't he? Yeah. Can't think what they are offhand, but. <laughs> <laughs> no. Oh no. Volker's got to deal with another door. They've all got it in for him. What the hell? Nice little special effect as well. Same door, but green screened. I imagine it was just a little too tight for him to rush in with the uh, scenery, make it look seamless mm. like they would do in, in a bigger shot. But there's definitely something going on. Yeah. Dr. Volker? Shades of 2001. You okay? No, he's not okay. Something weird's going on here. Yeah. We're all going crazy. What is it? So was the door actually working or was he not pressing the button? Well, this time he's just standing in the corridor. Yes, he walked up to a door. Mm. It won't let him through. He turned around, the door was behind him. And then he turned around again, the door was gone. Yeah. Didn't he just get up? Yes, this is later in the day. Probably wherever he was walking to, after Haig let him out. I'm sure there are times Scott just shakes his head and... Civilians. Why do we bother? Now, is this the same child that we saw in the other episode? Yes, same actor. Matt Ballack, played by Gordon Grice. You mean they got Charlie Powell, Matt? Matthew? There's some very nice music used as background for these scenes. Notice she's wearing something different to what you saw over with Greer. Nicholas. Hi. He's looking more bearded. Because uh, she was wearing, I think it was red earlier. Mm. I need to talk to you about something. Just the two we need to see. Interesting to look back if that was what she was wearing last time her and Greer came to blows. You know, that stuck in his mind. Mm. Really never thought to work. But then there's only so many things that they'd be wearing. Mm. Chloe never changes. Mm. You always wear the same top. Or is she wearing anything? Tell me, Mike, you'd know this. When did you say this episode out? 2010. Right. So there's some crossover then. With what? Once Upon a Time. I thought Once Upon a Time was after. Yeah, if it's just finished its fifth year. Because I thought he went from this straight into that. Correction. Since the day the two of you let a mutiny to take it over, I can understand the suspicion. I was not in the gate room. Well, Young, you're in kind of a pickle, aren't you? Because she sounds sincere, but Greer wouldn't lie. What to do? Hey! Are you alright? You didn't pass anyone in the corridor just now? No. Oh, my God. Matt, what happened? <sighs> I need help! 
That's very nice uh, makeup. A little bit more gory than what we yeah. usually get with Stargate. <laughs> but it fits in with the overall sort of more of a adult tone. This is a horror movie, isn't it? This episode, this is how it looks. The thing is, is when it came to SG-1 Atlantis, it was more of a PG sort of 12A sort of rating. Yeah. Whereas this is more of a sort of 15. Have you noticed any unusual behaviour from him? Maybe? No, he's been his normal self. As far as I can tell. Alright, well let's, uh, let's keep him here. Close eye on him and uh, let me know when the sedatives were up. So what we're seeing here then, we're seeing Lieutenant James uh, getting paranoid about the relationship with Scott. We've had uh, Dunning thinking about something living under his skin. Mm. Matt, of course, with his son. So it's not fear, guilt, something, high emotions. Day after day of not knowing what's ahead. So I wonder more people aren't cracking up. He's really not enjoying his food, is he? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I imagine all the good food has gone since Faith. Didn't start shooting people. Rhea. Rhea's just paranoid. Yeah. That's the best guy realising when he's in his world of his own. Yeah. Hello, Earth to Greer. Of course, does that mean he's just hallucinating Camille or Rush as well? Hard to say. I'm fine. I'm not sure we can take Greer's word for that. I always figured he'd be the first to snap. Well, if we're being honest, I don't think Riley's too far wrong. Greer is always on a knife edge. It wouldn't take much to push him over. And we've seen evidence of that. Sergeant Greer. You want to accuse me of something? Come forward. No need for spying. Music, very... It's not music, it's little cues, isn't it? Just to set the scene. Apparently no one. You've got to admire the way that rush shakes that very idea of him talking to somebody who isn't there puts it to one side something to analyse later I'm uh, just wondering did uh, Nicholas Rush ever say the word dearie still a superlative character he's not having a good day oh he's claustrophobic <laughs> no no wait get me out of here wait <laughs> They had to slide him into this box with just room for his head. And then he said after he'd filmed it, they pointed out he had a great big lump on his head where he'd been hitting his head on it. The thing is, if you look closely, you can actually see where it looks like his perspiration has been hitting the box. It's like discoloration, yeah. isn't it? <laughs> then they had to ice his lump down because he had to film the other scenes. <laughs> That's a bit frightening when you don't realise you've been banging your head on the prop. Well, the thing is, when you're focused on something, you don't often notice it. Lieutenant James, come in. Lieutenant James, this is Colonel Young. Please respond. James! That's an interesting part, you know, for God's sake. He doesn't like James. We've seen that. I'm so sorry. You're out of uniform, Lieutenant. <laughs> I always do like that shot out that window. <laughs> mm -hmm. Nice. Leather cushions and settees and couches. They've really passed planet Ikea. Thank you, Mike. I know, I nearly said Ikea, but then... <laughs> I was going to say, don't you mean Ikea? But then I thought, no. <laughs> I won't be cruel to him. That's a serious hallucination. 
Ow. To be honest, I didn't know you were born, son. <laughs> be fair. The Irish people say, when I asked if they have any kids, none I'm claiming. <laughs> yeah, okay. No. Yeah, Colonel, go ahead. I need you in the infirmary. Julia's acting in this scene is fantastic. I love the way she turns away. She doesn't want to look. Mm-hmm. If she doesn't look at him... Yeah. You're alive. She thinks she killed you. How did you... You were in my room. You're hallucinating. Just like Airman Donnie. What the hell is going on here? We don't know yet. I can't find anything physically wrong with either one of them. I'm seeing things too. Hallucinations. My son, I keep seeing him on this ship. I just... I just talk to him. We're on a spaceship millions of light years from home. Anything could be important. James and Dunning went off world with you to the last planet. Maybe they picked something up. An away team? Yes. So this is where we find out there's been some time between where we left off in Sabotage. Yeah. They said, didn't they? Where do we catch it? <laughs> Actually, the actors themselves. <laughs> don't worry about it. Uh-huh. Colonel, we got him. You don't see everything that goes on. Ah, Corporal Barnes. We haven't seen her for a while. The thing is, only in Sabotage that we actually found out how long it had actually been, because I think they mentioned it had been about four months. Corporal Barnes is played by Leanne Adachi. Ten episodes of uh, Universe. She also has been in an episode of SG-1 in Atlantis. That's a nice job. I could say she wears it often enough, standing up to being washed. So far as I can tell, yeah. You know, he's doing fine, but I'm going to quarantine the entire away team. Hopefully isolate the hallucinations until they pass. What if they don't pass? What if it gets worse? I'm sure whatever it is, TJ will figure it out. I mean, she's done pretty damn good so far. No, we can't be alarmed about this. No, no, I'll pass the word. I'll, I'll let everyone know what's going on, but the situation's been contained, so there's no need for anybody to get alarmed. As soon as I know anything... Colonel Young, come in. Uh-oh. You're being overly optimistic, Young. Can you come to the infirmary? I just discovered something. You see? So it's difficult to see, which is why I missed it on my initial examination. You see right there? That's it. Make excuses for yourself. Fortunately, it was on his yeah. neck. If you'd done a full body, it could have been rather embarrassing. I'll accept Corporal Barnes. She's clear. Welcome to our new galaxy. So the ticks are causing the hallucinations? Why didn't she just pull it out? Give it time. Maybe they inject a venom, some sort of toxin that affects the brain's chemistry. Okay, I want out. <laughs> Please just get me out of here. I want out of here, TJ. Okay, okay, just relax, okay? Poor Volker. Why well, am I the only one that's strapped down? Ooh, good drugs. Yeah. <laughs> there, there. Can you remove it? Uh, they seem similar to Earth ticks. I could try and remove it the same way. You up for going first? Close up of Chloe's breast. Out of focus, but rather deliberate shot, I would have thought. Mm hmm. Thing is he wasn't as bad as he was, so why waste meds on him straight away? Yeah, just talk to him. Just saying, you okay? Checking he's okay, so just going, no, we don't need <laughs> you just now, drugged. Well, this is where he sort of looks at his hallucination of his son, and he sort of, because of course he wants to be with his son, but he knows he's got to do the right thing. Lieutenant Scott, what happened? I don't know. He's crashing. Let's start CPR. Ooh, rather severe reaction. I like the way Jung says, you know, you're going to be first, mm-hmm. almost daring him to go first. He is, I would have thought, with military, it would have been the person at the lowest end of the... <laughs> well, if you're in command, you never, you know, your subordinates do something you're not willing to first. Yeah, but when you're limited staff and personnel, you want to keep your most highly trained. That means, James, you're up. Yeah. Dunning is in too mm-hmm. bad a condition to actually give consent. 
It's dug in even deeper. Actually, the way they remove earth ticks is they usually freeze them and then pull them out. I suppose they could just stick his head outside in space for a couple of seconds. <laughs> Think it's frozen? Listen. Is removing them impossible? It's a pretty standard and reasonable defense mechanism for a parasite, and that relies on the host to provide nourishment. You wouldn't expect it to make it easy for you to remove it. She's still struggling to look out. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I just turned my back to him. Oh, a little bit of a drum beat in the background. So why is Greer seeing things? Obviously he was on the away mission. And why isn't he in the infirmary? Because he hasn't admitted to seeing things at the moment. Scott came in and admitted seeing things, didn't he? Basically mm-hmm. all the people in the infirmary are the people who went to the infirmary. Well, I thought they pulled in everyone who was on the mission. Not yet. Hello? Now this is a nice touch, this character being in this location. I imagine if they had second shuttle still, then it'd have been in that one. Oh, the suspense is killing me. Daddy! <laughs> I'm back. Hello, sweetheart. It's alright. It's really me. No. No, you're... You're not real. Chloe. Oh, God. This isn't happening. Hey. Chloe. Look at me. I mean, I know everybody's been through a lot in these past few months, but Chloe has been through the ringer. Yeah. More than quite a few. Yeah. At least happy to see her old man. Christopher MacDonald making his return to Stargate Universe. He's certainly been in The Good Wife, Texas Rising, and Boardwalk Empire. American actor, of course. Better known for Shooter McGavin in Happy Gilmore. Hmm. I like the way when Patrick says that this was the first time he actually met him after filming Air for that long. He never actually introduced himself. Hmm. Yeah, I don't think there was any doubt, no matter what she said about her relationship with her father. She was a daddy's girl. So where do you want to put it? If we do this, then we can... Nice and calm, Greer. Use your words. Hey! This is not going to end well for anybody. No. I mean, how many times have we we seen keynotes flying about, recording all sorts of stuff, yet... This episode would have been perfect. It's shown so many people talking to nobody. Something bothering you, Sergeant? I don't know. Should there be? If you get something to say, why don't you just go ahead and say it? You're not taking over the ship again. We have no intentions of doing so. You're being paranoid. I know you're up to something. And you have proof of this, do you? That'll be a note. <laughs> you got proof? Of course you don't. Yeah, this would have been a good commentary for you to listen to, Alan. Why? Brian and Patrick, as I said, they had a good laugh. Well, Rush and Camille don't seem too worried about Greer, assuming this is real. Then again, could all be a figment of his imagination. <laughs> she smiled at him. We haven't had any luck yet figuring out a way home. God knows if we ever will. We do have the communication stones. I was able to use them to go see Mom. How is she? Jack talked with the 18-year-old Italian waiter. She's having the time of her life. Does she think she's talking to her real dad, a ghost? 
a figment of her imagination, something totally different. Did say you're not real to begin with made me think that she knows what he is, but wants to still talk to him. That sort of, you want something to be true, so you'll accept it even though you know it's not. But then again, she bought into the whole god-aliens idea in faith. Well, sort of. But it just gets so... Hey, one step at a time. Look at that view. God, I've never seen anything like it. No, you haven't, because it wasn't the hyperspace when you arrived and you were dead since. Travel the world. I know. You told me frequently. Well, I always took that. In faith, to me, she wanted to stay to help with the child more than want to stay because that's what she believed. She never said anything that would suggest that she actually believed as the others did. You live in my dream, kiddo. I would have thought a goal in life was to be a nanny. No, but when you think, okay, on the ship, I've lost my dad, been abducted, and then you've got this paradise, which would you choose? And there's a baby on the way that can at least bring a little bit of joy and everything else. I'd vote with a spaceship. I like spaceships. That's great. He's coming too. What happened? You got a jolt and we try to remove the oh. tick. Relax, just relax. We're gonna try to anesthetize it. And then I'll try and see if I can remove it safely, okay? Okay, let's just take a look here. I think TJ is more confident than Scott actually looks, if that makes any sense at all. It's gone. The tick. It just died off. I don't know. It just died off. It knew it. You were coming for it. Done a runner. Mm. <laughs> like fleas. Theirs are both still attached. Walker as well. Could it have jumped? What do you mean? FTL capable ticks. Now they could be dangerous. Yeah, no, I remember. <laughs> Gosh, that's so funny. I feel like that was forever ago. That's a good shot there. <laughs> yeah. They were right in the commentary where they said Eli is just a very curious individual. Others would say he sticks his nose in where it doesn't belong. He could see she was talking to somebody, so why interrupt her? I do like the way the other chair is angled at the correct way, the way he's sitting. <laughs> uh-huh. I'm fine. Really? Because you don't seem fine. If you're being very generous, to say they planned it that way, or it was just left like that when the actor got up. I mean, yeah. I know he's not here, I'm just... Just... Hallucinating? Ah, there we go. A bit of clarification. I'm talking to him. He's responding to me. He's as good as here. So, he is here. Real. The key to it, does it give you any new information? And that'd be interesting. (laughs) This is like the movie Harvey or any other science fiction show where there's been invisible people. Hello, Mr. Wallace. He can't hear you. (laughs) Oh, poor Eli. Okay. Chloe. We've got to get you to the infirmary. Just... Have TJ take a look. No, I already know what's wrong. There's a tick on me. Matt and his team picked them up on the last planet. One must have jumped to me somehow. Wait a minute, what? Why wasn't I told about this? An alien tick? Are you kidding me? TJ thinks it might inject some kind of toxin that causes people okay, to we have to go. No, no, wait. No, no, don't grab her. That's not the point. And he's not hurting me either. He? You mean your imaginary father? God, I'm not crazy. Let it be at this point. Radio TJ, mm-hmm. Radio Young... Let her have a moment of whatever with a hallucination. My fantasy, allow me to indulge it. Not hurting anybody. 
Okay, they're, they're tight pants. Yep. They're shrinking every time she pushes them. Let that thing stay on you. I know. Okay, I know. Just humor me, all right? Give me some time. I'll go see TJ soon. I promise. But for now, just don't tell anyone, okay? Please, Eli. Look at his face. <laughs> so open, so so vulnerable. So sheltered. <laughs> He just knows he can't say no to her. <laughs> no, he can't, no matter what. I mean, he was mad with her for a brief moment in Divided, but he even got, got over that. Ah, rush. Mm -hmm. Change of lighting as well. Oh. Went from all the oranges to the blues. Oh, so this is his uh, fear. Back on the alien ship. Well, it's not like Rush, or indeed any character that Carlisle plays, to panic. The thing is, most of the other people, they come out of their hallucination when somebody else interrupts them. I think that was the first time they came out of it when nobody interrupted them there with Rush. I don't see anything. You're clear too. What happened to it? Listen, I want you to go back to your quarters and stay there until... No. Just a precaution. Make sure I need to be here. can take over for you. No, Colonel, please. I'm fine. Look, we'll check ourselves periodically, and if I start having any hallucinations... And... Night bulb. <laughs> <laughs> you would have thought at least one of them would have realised it long before now. Yeah. Who was the only other person so in where's here? Where's the other one missing? Yeah, there's one that was missing. Maybe it's jumped from Greer to Rush. No, Greer's still infected. Again, another scene. Not looking directly. If I don't look at it, it's not there. It's not there. <laughs> you always think that that one looks like a little tail sticking out, the way it's sort of pointed. Yeah. Made me think of the next generation. The yeah, that's what I, I knew where you were going with that. <laughs> Strange that he got blown up and yet came back as another character. Didn't that actor come back as the character who played the guy who uh, had simulations of the crew on the holodeck? I uh, can't remember. Barkley? No. No? No, I think it's a different character. It's been a while since I've seen that episode. Should be getting soon. Different character, same actor though. No, I don't think he played anybody but Barkley. They said that tick when they squashed it was actually um, caviar. Yeah, their catering is way too big a budget. <laughs> Colonel Young, come in. Colonel Young, did you read? <laughs> um, I can't say anything. Perhaps some sort of shipwide announcement would be useful yeah. in this case. Can't they make a shipwide announcement? Well. They can go around and tell anybody because where is everybody? You know, normally we always see people walking around. Eli. Hey, are you okay? How are you fine? Have you seen Chloe? Didn't they just take it off, Chloe? Eli? No, they just took it off. James. Yeah. Because Chloe managed to talk him into leaving her there after he got a bit grabby with her. She's probably having a more intimate conversation with the father than she ever has before. Matt! Hey, I need you to come with me to the infirmary. There's a chance that the tick that was on me 
jump to you. Uh, you been seeing any weird things? No. I'm fine. Chloe? She's seeing her dad. Eli. All right, we need to get you to the infirmary. No, just wait a minute. I just I mean, need we, a little more time. We can't risk letting that thing stay on you. Don't leave me. Chloe. No, wait, I'm not. Come on, Chloe. Chloe, no. come on. Come on. Here's another man grabbing her. Good God. And another one. <laughs> okay, lads, this is a bit too much. This tick isn't harmful in itself. The fact that the hallucinations are trying to keep her hallucinating means that wherever it's happening, that it's trying to keep it in that state, to try and keep the tick alive. So it could be dangerous because they've got no idea... Yeah, long term, maybe, but at that point, dragging her off, manhandling two men, is a bit much. Let's smile. I'd appreciate you not telling lies about me to Colonel Young. Lead up. This is where we get the benefit of being able to identify which is which. She's wearing the turquoise, so this is real, Camille. <laughs> oh, he's seen aliens. Yeah. This could be fun. Don't you run away from me. It's not hurting me. You don't know that. It's making you hallucinate. Who, who knows what else it's doing? It's too dangerous to leave in place. Guys, this discussion is done now. Let's, let's remove it. She's not military. She's not subject. Well, they're the ones in charge. I miss her. I love you, Daddy. I love you too, sweetheart. You're living our dream. Now, being here hallucination, her father would... She would probably think her father would say you should have it removed. Which is why I was saying that mm -hmm. it's the tick that... Hallucination, hallucination isn't just what they're thinking. Because why else would he go, no, 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 don't go. Stay with me, stay with me. I'm not sure I'd actually claim it's sentient. No, but it could be releasing some sort of hormone or something, which is sort of like an addiction sort of thing. They want it, so part of the hallucination is addictive to having more of them. The civilians are trying to take over the ship again. What? I'm pursuing Rush. He and Ray are actively trying to seize control of the ship. Now, I don't know who else is working with them, sir, but we need to mobilize now. Sergeant, I need you to listen to me. Do not do anything. I will talk to them. Permission to use deadly force. What? No, did you hear what I said? I need you to stand down. Do not do anything. Oh, dear. <laughs> I get to kill somebody now. Copy that. Sergeant, we don't know if these channels have been compromised. Go to radio silence. Yes, sir. I expect him to find a bigger gun. <laughs> Greer, acknowledge. I said stand down. You think he might be hallucinating too? Oh, how all the ticks have been accounted for. Well, duh. Granted, Greer is a little intense at times, but I think in this case, and there could be millions of the ticks. Things at that point, wouldn't it be, yeah, examine everybody. <laughs> Get everybody in one room. Shipwide announcement. Everybody naked, please. Sergeant Greer. Production-wise, this show is top-notch, but we've seen some fantastic cinematography in this episode. Mm-hmm. Especially seeing some of the behind-the-scenes stuff when they say how they reuse all these sets. Are you going to get the hallucinating rush meeting the hallucinating Greer? <laughs> it's convenient, these spotlights. They don't really serve any purpose in lighting this bay. They do look good. Well, that's the purpose, then. 
It's aesthetics. X Files moment with the torch. <laughs> like every episode of the X Files always starts with them in the dark and a torch. Yeah. Well, back then those torches were a wonder. Mm-hmm. I know you're in here, Rush. I remember when I used to watch CSI with Dan. He'd be like, it's Vegas, Sonny, why don't they just point up pussy lights on or open a window? I still say that about a lot of shows who cannot film in dark conditions. Well, with CSI, they were always the night shift, weren't they? And I think they did it at night because it's cheaper to record. Because a lot of the recording that they did, they didn't have to do the lighting as well because they could just do a close set and have it dark for the most part. Mm-hmm. An epic game of cat and mouse. Not quite pure which is which at the moment. Yeah. Oh dear. Oh. 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 Holy crap. Oh, that should have broke his jaw. Ah! What are you doing? Open that door. Ah! Oh, Greer. <laughs> now I have you. He's actually showing some restraint. Yeah, because he didn't just shoot her. <laughs> Still not responding to any radio calls. I'll keep at it. Sir, Rush and Ray are also unaccounted for. No one knows where they are. Rush isn't responding to his radio either. Ah, there we are. Haven't seen him before, haven't seen her before, haven't seen that one before. Yeah, none of those people actually look familiar. (laughs) I mean, I suppose they could do a call out for extras and say, you know, priority given to people who have been on the show before. It's a bit of continuity. They'll say people's availability. Yeah, they're probably, you know, this is probably what they do part-time, you know, and so they're probably working on other shows as well. He is saying that there's been a lot of secondary characters and sort of extras in all of the Stargates that keep reappearing. Um, Stargate always did quite well with those. Because usually you don't get that in a lot of shows. It's the area of the brain that's responsible for uh, emotions. So fear, anger, remorse. Matt's guilt over his son. Claustrophobia. My dad. Anger, Greer. Let me guess, issue with snakes? Thank you for saying that. I'd have felt really awkward saying that. <laughs> snakes. Ooh. Unresolved <laughs> personal issues. <laughs> Did she actually have sex with... Well, I thought she had sex with him. Because he didn't actually get to leave before she killed him. Don't open that door! If I don't get medical attention... Yes, Colonel. No, sir, I do not know who else is involved in the mutiny. She's refusing to cooperate. I'm not talking to anyone. Your radio is off. What is the matter with you? Yes, I will continue the interrogation. But at some point, sir, we are just better off ending this. Once and for all. What do you mean my radio's off? I'm talking to the colonel right now. (laughs) Being reasonable isn't going to work here, Camille. We are not taking over this ship. What do you got? Can't get the door open. Must have been disabled from the inside. (laughs) <laughs> but it shows how much the tick is taking control because the hallucinations can't be snapped out of now. Help! I'm wounded! Sergeant Greer's got us hostage! Shut! Quiet now. Sergeant Greer, Lieutenant Scott, stand down! Colonel Young, this is Scott, come in. Yeah. We found him. He has locked himself and Ray in one of the storage rooms. I think he's holding her hostage. Because... Even with Rush, Greer and Camille, and saw the aliens rather than snapping out of it this time. Now, sort of all this going on, mm-hmm. he's completely oblivious to everything going on. So there's a reason why they wanted to get the ticks out. 
One way for A to be written out. It's only a small room. Wouldn't Russia have been heard? Yeah, just a little bit. We do actually want to fly the spaceship afterwards. Sergeant. Don't. Pull the trigger, man. You're acting like a bad guy who has a monologue. Yeah. All you're missing now is him telling him what his plan is. <laughs> yeah, you're reminded of Vine's monologue about hope you're never held hostage by a good man. Yep, that was the reference I was going for. Good, good. Oh, daddy. Oh, that's gotta hurt. Oh, <laughs> that hurt even more. Bang. Get in, boys. Anything is with explosions, they would have gone, you would have thought, outwards and buckled the door <laughs> rather than just release them. Yeah, because it wasn't. Oh, oh, that. <laughs> didn't expect that, did they? <laughs> Again, saying you wouldn't. Go for more. Usually in Stargate, it would have been. They come in, everything's all fine, but yeah, universe, no. <laughs> it goes from bad to worse. We have wounded in here. Yeah, I think the only way you can actually make allowances for that charge was that it blew the locking mechanism, Yeah. ruptured it, and it popped open. Just seems a lot of plastique that was getting stuck around it. <laughs> yes. Well, we're not quite sure how much you need, so... True. She should be okay. Rest of the group. I checked everyone, it looks like we got them all, so... Hopefully things will get back to normal around here. Whatever that is. Whatever the hell normal is anyway. <laughs> Camille rolls her eyes. Camille. Yeah, that's exactly what Camille said. And in fairness, I haven't seen this since it was broadcast. <laughs> you gonna tell us what this tune is then? Yes, I will. Agony by Elves, American band. Again, very clever with the way that the episode is titled with the music. That's what I was thinking. I think he may have actually tried to apologise there if she gave him the opportunity. Yeah, he feels bad. <laughs> yeah, so quick to tell you. Stalking again? Yeah, creepy Eli. Yeah, a sec. I mean, why is he bothering to stalk? It wouldn't be bothered to find a keynote floating around. How many times is he using those keynotes just to watch people? It's usually you think pain as in physical pain, but this is more, especially afterwards, it's the emotional pain. And... What do we got? I love this bit. <laughs> well, the atmosphere is good. What choice have they got, really? Ten hours on the countdown. Yeah. They cannot not go to a planet with a suitable atmosphere, despite the risk. They need resources. Yeah. Our luck's got to change at some point. Just remember the bug spray. They've just got to do more thorough examinations when people return. Scott, this is young. Get a team ready. You're going off well. Don't forget the bug spray. <laughs> yeah. With Riley, it's just like, yeah, that's my character. That would be me. The sarcastic remarks. <laughs> just the one line when it's needed. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, then. That was pain. Got some trivia on the writer and director. Mm-hmm. Paul Binder wrote this episode. He penned two episodes of SG-1, 15 of Atlantis and 6 of Universe. He's also written for The LA Complex, Cedar Cove, The Messengers, Echoes and Houdini and Doyle. Will Wearing, the director, 13 episodes of SG-1, 16 of Atlantis, and 9 of Universe. 
He's also directed episodes of Continuum, Strange Empire, Dark Matter, Travellers, and aforementioned Echoes, which him and Carl worked together on. Right, this episode, well not the episode, but Julia Benson won a Leo Award for Best Porting Performance by a female. It was also nominated for Best Picture Editing, Brad Rines, and Best Supporting Performance, male, by Patrick Gilmore. Did quite well for this episode, and I've got to admit, watched it three times this week, thoroughly enjoyed it every time. Yeah, I watched it three times as well. I didn't. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> did you watch it on your new box set though I did <laughs> yeah I know you haven't bought this on DVD I, no I have the Blu-ray but yeah um, I watched it once on its own and twice with the commentary and then I watched all the keynotes footage from that disc yep. this is the beauty I mean I'm still watching these episodes and I know the general gist of them but a lot of the details I'm simply being amazed by I watched it when the series was first broadcast so this is really my first full rewatch. Well, I first did a rewatch when you guys were still doing Atlantis because um, I started doing a rewatch of Atlantis because it's on Sky. So of course caught up to where you guys were because it's on the same series and then past that. So I thought, ah, may as well just continue and watch Universe. So um watched that on Netflix before it disappeared on there. So yeah, a few months ago I did a rewatch of the the series the both the series then. Yeah, you've really got to. You've got to watch it once to make notes and once to actually enjoy it, as it is. It's a shame I don't like the series. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, Shannon doesn't, from uh, Sci-Fi Boneyard, that's for sure. <laughs> yes. Now, I was listening to the podcast, and when she said that, I'm telling you, my finger nearly went to the uh, stop button. <laughs> yeah, as soon as she said that, I was just like, yep, tweeting you now. <laughs> and Andrew's actually said, I'm sure I want to do a podcast about a show I don't actually like. Because my views on Next Generation are reasonably well known. And he said, would you not want to do Babylon 5? And I said, well, it's kind of been done, but I suppose there's no harm. I would love doing this kind of thing for Beef 5. Well, there's nothing wrong with doing a show on something you don't like, because it'll be a completely different perspective. Yeah. You think Trek Media carry it? <laughs> I said, there's always, always room for more podcasts covering the same subject, because there's always different voices, different opinions. Exactly. Lots of different styles to do it. I'd say, how many podcasts are there for Star Trek? I mean, I look at my playlist, I've probably got about a dozen of them, but there's probably ten times that that are still active. Well, at least. I'm involved with four. <laughs> <laughs> I don't play STO, so I don't listen to that podcast you do for that one. It was an ecstasy. I listen to GNT. Looking forward to the Podathon. Yeah, that should be good. Uh, yeah, that was fun last year. That was actually a 25-hour episode, because, yeah, when they organised the time originally... They'd forgotten about the daylight savings. <laughs> 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 the clocks ended up going back. <laughs> ended up being a 25-hour podcast. Good planning, that is. Ah, that's Gettyberg 7's fault, that is. But uh, no, that was a huge amount of fun. Jack? Daniel? Are you you? Yeah, you. What? I like the yellow ones. Never mind. We got some feedback from Mac. Afternoon, Alan, Mike and Ian. Thanks for this week's show. A good episode all around and I really enjoyed the dynamic. I felt the cast knocked a solid episode out of the park and I loved the body swap idea and the price Camille paid for wanting to be at home with her partner was commendable. I forgot Ming-Na plays Agent May in Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. and in the film Push. I see her but don't if that makes sense. As for the swap with Amanda Perry, brilliant all round and made me feel for the poor lass. On a side thought, I did think maybe with Atlantis being at home, then the SGC might have maybe body-swapped with Amanda for either a replicator or a natural ageing clone, 
built by the Asgard body swap machine. They have the technology after all. What's the poor lass got to lose? It's unfortunate about the aliens though. They are awesome looking, but their obsession with destiny doesn't make sense. They have enough power to jump galaxies, so why not just explore them themselves? I made reference in some recent feedback about the crew being trained like TJ as full-time doctors or chemists. What about the memory machine, when they can swap bodies and implant several skill sets for their medical needs? Give all the crew expertise in things like engineering and survival techniques. But, once again, could've, would've, should've. The episode was awesome, and so was the show. Not a bad episode left. Well, one, but we'll have to wait for that one. Cheers, guys. Thank you, Mac. It was a good episode, that's for sure. Ming-Na was exceptional, and so was Kathleen Munro, who played Amanda. And I think the confines of the show curtails a lot of the Blue Sky sci-fi plot lines. You would perhaps need another show to explore those fully. Maybe a Joe 90 version of Stargate could work. Or would that be the modern dollhouse concept? OK then, if you want to get in touch with us, then you can send feedback via the contact form on our website, which is gatecast.co.uk, or via email to gatecastpodcast at gmail.com. We are on Facebook and Google+. And on Twitter, you can find us at the Gatecast, which is one word. We are listed on iTunes and Stitcher Internet Radio. We also have an ever-growing separate RSS feed, which links to every episode we've released so far, given that iTunes only carries the previous 25 shows. You can find the link to the mission files on the website. Copy and paste to your chosen podcatcher. Once again, thanks for listening. Look forward to hearing from you. And now, let's wrap the show up. Right then, as we said, that was pain. Next week's episode is going to be subversion. Just had a very interesting dream. Friday, on an all-new Stargate Universe. Uh, I'm giving them information. You dreamt you were the spy who leaked everything about every solution. No, it wasn't me. A single reflection. It was Colonel Delphine. I am not a spy! Rona Mitra, Michael Shanks, and Richard Dean Anderson guest star on an all-new Stargate Universe. This Friday at 9, only on Sci-Fi. Imagine greater. Okay, then. Shall we sign off? Then I can hit stop, but there's some other things I want to say that I don't want on here. Stephen. Stephen. Is it Stephen or Steve? Um, well... Technically, it's Stephen, but everyone calls me Steve. <laughs> <laughs> right then, Steve, thank you once again for joining us this Tuesday evening. Not a problem. Give us a quick rundown of your podcast endeavours then. People can find me on com with my Troubles in XE podcast and my Frank Stars podcast. I'm also on Trek FM with Trek News and Views, where I'm a co-host there. And I also help out with the GNT show and Priority1.com productions. Right then. Alan, your mm-hmm. podcast. <laughs> Still just this one at present. I know. I, I don't know how people do more than one a week. Okay then, folks. Thank you very much for joining us for Pain. Next week's episode will be Subversion. Steve, thank you very much for joining us once again. Pleasure as always. Alan, enjoy your convention. Indeed. Tonight's episode brought to you by Mr. T. <laughs> of course, by the time this is released, Alan will be back from his convention. Yes. Okay then, folks, thank you very much. Next week, Subversion. Until then, I've been Mike. I've been Alan. And I've been Steve. Take care. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Goodbye, everyone. You've been listening to The Gatecast, hosted by Alan and Mike. Join us at gatecast.co.uk. Stargate forever. Stargate forever.